Hey everybody, and welcome to a special episode of The Debrief. This one has been a long time coming, a little less than eight months to be exact. But today, we're going to do a deep dive into first year trips, starting from the front lines of the 26s, working our way behind the scenes, and then talking to some alumni who gave some insight into the history of this 88-year-old institution. But I'm getting ahead of myself. First, some 26s who had what could be considered reasonably successful trips experiences. I was on the Frisbee trip, but we did so much more than that. We played Frisbee, we went and played kickball, which I've never played before. I went canoeing on the lake, I went paddleboarding, I fell into the lake. And all with like people that I'd never met before that. The cabin was kind of gross. Um, and we'd like just come in after like a group of like 11 year old boys and they didn't even like clean it. So it was, it was not it. I had never been hiking or backpacking before. And this was like the highest level of hiking that was offered. Right away, I knew it was going to be pretty good because there were a couple other people that hadn't hiked before. Um, and the trip leaders were super nice and very accommodating. Everybody just wanted everybody else to succeed. While Kabir and Izzy are certainly in the majority, Trips never runs 100% according to plan. And every year, a couple groups have to deal with less than ideal circumstances. This year, we were able to track down two 26s who had pretty close to worst case scenarios. Here are their stories. The worst experience was a carbon monoxide poisoning that happened on our trip. We arrived at this old cabin, which I think is probably from the 1700s maybe early 1800s, there was no electricity, no running water. So everything was done through gas. During our our meal, like all of a sudden the alarms started blaring and they were very confused because we're like, there's no fire, what's going on? Then we walk outside and then like some of us start feeling weird. So then like based off of the noise that the alarm was making, we determined it was carbon monoxide. We had to like make quick trips, like 15 seconds we'd go in to bring all of our stuff back out. So we'd like rotate like with the people who felt good enough because like some people were not in the position to go back inside. We were just collecting all of our stuff in like pitch darkness. We had our flashlights on from our phone and it was definitely a weird experience, but it for sure bonded our trippies and our trip leaders because we went through what I would consider kind of like a, a threatening situation and like something that definitely none of us have ever gone through before. Um, it was raining and I was going downhill and I was riding and then there was like a curve and I missed the curve and then kind of lost control. And then I fell and I tumbled and I landed on my shoulder and I fractured my collarbone. Mountain biking is as much physical as it is mental. So like the whole time I w was feeling apprehensive, especially because the day before I had fallen and I it just wasn't fun for me. Besides your injury, did you enjoy your trip? No, I hated it. I don't know, I feel like my group, we all didn't vibe with each other. I feel like everyone like individually like didn't find anyone that they like, like vibed with, if that makes sense. I just felt like I was trapped. Like, I just wanted to leave. I was contemplating, like, leaving and <laughs> not going back the pocket morning. Honestly, I feel like at the moment, like, the way that they all reacted was actually pretty good. Yeah, like, they were all, like, very caring and, like, nice. I hated it so much. Don't do trips. Next, we'll go all the way to the top as I spoke to Trips Director Jack Chrysler about how he went from being a trippy four short years ago to running the entire program. 
As a student-run organization, it's no small logistical feat to coordinate over 1,000 members of the class of 2026 who participated in 140 trips with 280 trip leaders, 80 crew members, and the 19 students who made up the directorate team. Chrysler painted a picture of exactly what it takes to keep everything running smoothly behind the scenes and what trips meant to him. Tell me about your own trips experience. The broader perspective is, I think I should have like filed it away in my mind afterwards as like, oh, that was fun and I have some friends now, but it wasn't like a life-changing experience where I was like, I need to come back and do this again. I think for me, it's been sort of like a year-over-year process of like doing trips again and like getting a little more out of it each time. I think like, yeah, coming back, coming to trips 2019 um, as a crewling, I think I applied to be a volunteer because I was like, well, that was a lot of, that was fun being on my trip. And I think it would be fun to lead a trip and to like be on the other side. And then I became a crewling and I didn't really know what I was getting into, but then I had a lot of fun. I think trips are pretty universally loved. You'll have the occasional person who doesn't have the best trips experience. But uh, one of the critiques is that, you know, after the first couple of weeks, that sort of trips magic fades and you still get the occasional meal with your trippies. Everyone sort of homogenizes into their own social groups. Did you find that to be the case? That's a really good question because I have been thinking um, a lot about that at the end of trips this year, having conversations with like directorate. For me, I kind of think about trips as a community that like undergoes sort of like yearly cycle of like death and rebirth. I agree with you. I think the majority of my relationships that I've had through trips do go through that sort of like fading away process, mm-hmm. which is sad because a lot of times they're like people that I like cared about and had had a close connection with. I have had some that that have stuck longer, despite the fact that trips only exist for me for like a couple weeks a year. I mean, setting aside this past year when I directed it for the whole year, it's like those couple weeks are still valuable. So you mentioned that it's a whole year long process being the trips director. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, that experience and quantify maybe how many hours, how many email questions you answered over the course of the past year? There's always more emails. That, yeah. That's one thing I learned. <laughs> um, yeah, it really is crazy because it does take the whole year. I started at the end of last fall and it wasn't really like, there weren't really a ton of quiet moments. But I mean, it was really rewarding. It definitely felt like a real grown-up adult person job. So, well, that that kind of leads into my next question, which is what are some merits and drawbacks of trips being almost entirely student-run, right? Because that's a big ask to ask a student to take on a full real-person job on top of their classes. This is sort of like the thing that doesn't keep me up at night anymore, but did keep me up at night, which is like, why why is trips student-run? Because like you look at like all other peer programs like this, like Harvard and Tufts um, and like Bowdoin and Yale, and like those are have student leadership, but they're not like entirely student run. And Dartmouth has like sort of the biggest of them all is entirely student run. Some of the value goes down to the trippy level and that I think having students as the entire leadership structure lets us sort of like respond better to like what students want. And I think have a better pulse on like, as we've all been incoming students, so we all have a better sense of like, what kind of experience do you want? Mm -hmm. I think the other side of it is that it's really valuable for the student leadership. Like I think like, Brandon, who's the associate director, and me and all of directorate got to have very powerful growth and like learning experiences from doing this. So can you give me a little bit of insight into some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes? What do you think you spent the majority of your time doing? Just running around putting out fires or uh, just making everyone feel supported and comfortable? I definitely shifted from term to term. I think early on it was like, like lock yourself in the office and build like spreadsheets like out the wazoo, literally. Um, And diving like yeah so deep into the nitty-gritty of google sheets i like thought i knew how to use google sheets and now i like actually think i know how to use google <laughs> sheets um but yeah it, it changes from term to term i think in the winter 
fall and winter was a lot of sort of like prep work. And then once you get to the spring, you become much more of like a manager, mm -hmm. like sort of managing the team of directorate. And so it's, it's almost an entirely different job of being like, my job is not to sort of like do my own things, but rather to like help people on their projects. So I think the sort of like our over overriding organizational philosophy is that trips is for the trippies. Mm -hmm. But I think that like changes depending on where you are in trips. I think for me as director, the thing I got the most value from was working with directorate because I think in the same way that a trip leader takes a group of incoming students and gets to bond with them and watch them grow and form connections. And I think at the end of trip season, go out into the Dartmouth community. Being director is kind of the same way with director where you like get this group of people mm -hmm. and you, you teach them and you lead them and you see them all become friends with each other. And then trips happens and they go out into the world and they like just they kick butt. They like do what you've been talking about doing. So I think as a director, that's what I got value from is like building those relationships and seeing them all succeed. How do you feel that trips ran this year? The like first and only thing I could think when trips was at trips ended was like relief. Like, oh my God, like it's over. Like, mm -hmm. thank God. At the end of the day, like, you know, all the buses went to the right place. Like everyone like went out on a trip and came back from their trip. So I think at first it was like, oh, thank God. Like I didn't mess anything up. But having a little more time to like unpack all of it, I think I still feel some of that sense. And that I think that like what trips has been looking for is a little bit of like consistency having gone from 2019 to like not really having trips in 2020 to last year being so sort of like shifting and turbulent this year I think it was like can we find something that just feels like normal like it doesn't have to be boring but it's like ah yes like this is what trips can be and can you speak a little bit to the stress of the job well one of the specific issues um was pcord the the water trips get each get 10 more bundles than we thought so they can tie up their boats so then we ran out of pcord so then it was sort of like it was Pcord gate. Like anytime something went wrong, we called it gate. Everything was gate. So we had Pcord gate. Um, and the resolution to Pcord gate was people were um, sort of haphazardly burning Pcord bundles to get through the morning. And then that night we were like, okay, we need a hundred more Pcord bundles. And we set up a much more efficient system. But it was like me and two other people on director at like three in the morning, robo basement, just sort of like slinging Pcord at each other and like listening to Taylor Swift. So it gets a little hectic. There is definitely a level of stress, I think, especially because like we allow students to to be the sort of like overall lead of the program. I think having the sort of like institutional weight on your shoulders adds to a lot of the stress. What has been your favorite experience over the course of trip? The turning point for me when I went from thinking about trips as like a fun thing that I like do to like a community slash place that I want to like invest a lot of my energy into was my experience on Vox Crew in 2019. Um, and I don't know like a specific moment, but I think it was sort of somewhere in the like time we spent together as a crew, like coming back at the end of the day and like swimming in the lake or like sitting down for dinner together or like talking after dinner. I think it was like in those like shared moments of community. I think for me that was like, oh, this is a group of people that I had like not met until like 10 days ago. And now I feel like I can sort of like be totally vulnerable. And this is like the space that I feel safe and happy in. I think the takeaway that I hope the 26s um, and every class that, that goes on trips takes is it's really great if trips becomes like your thing, like trips became my thing and that's awesome, but trips doesn't have to be your thing. I think trips is amazing because so many people do it. It's like this sort of like shared social experience. I think what's beautiful about trips is that there is no requirements from what you take away from it. So like if you just want like a couple friends for the next two weeks, that's great. Or it can become your thing and you can direct trips. Now, here's my favorite part of every podcast, the part where I get to talk about myself. For those of us who don't want to take on full-time jobs like the directorate, but still want to relive the magic of trips, 
there's the position of trip leader, or TL for short. Now, I don't want to sound entirely selfish. There are some of us who apply to ascend through the DOC ladder, and some who have very altruistic motivations for doing it. And sure, a part of me wanted to give back to the program that once made me feel like I might be able to survive college. But having a pack of underclassmen that hang on to your every word, laughing until my sides hurt, relaxing out in nature, and in my case, sick mountain biking, were all pretty nice perks. I'd be lying if I said there weren't several times on my trip, shout out B305, where I completely forgot who were the trippies and who were the TLs. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want a shameless ad for the DOC, but being a trip leader was absolutely one of the best choices I've made since coming to Dartmouth. And the reason I've had a hard time finishing this podcast is because I really want to do it justice. It's a cult, it's weird, you'll have some awkward moments, but it's also a really special reset button on all of the preconceptions and biases that often make up this school. There's nothing like being alone in nature to force you to get to know the people around you. I didn't appreciate the scale and importance of the program when I went through it as a trippy, so I'd implore anyone listening to apply because it'll be the time of your life. Okay, enough of that. Our producer, Abby Hughes, also got to speak to another trip leader, Julia Picker, from the class of 2024, about her experience doing it two years in a row. Just explain to me your relationship with trips. So I am a part of the class of 2024, which makes us kind of like, we call ourselves a little like forgotten children or like the forgotten middle, middle children of trips. Not really, because no one forgot about us. Um, like it just uh, simply wasn't possible. But we were like a class that had to find other ways to sort of meet each other when it became time to apply for first year trips like obviously my ulterior motive was that I wanted to go on it uh, <laughs> because I hadn't gone to experience that the year before and but I also just really felt like I connected with the message of you know having a community to kind of tackle Dartmouth with and like a group of people that, you know, might not be your very best friends. You might not be super close with everyone, but it's like a little space that you can feel, you know, happy and let people like know who you are and care about you. Julia was actually my trip leader my freshman fall. And she's one of the reasons that I came back and decided to be a trip leader as well. Um, maybe you touched on this a little bit. Maybe you just wanted the full trips experience. But what was a reason that you decided to become a TL a second year in a row? Because I don't think that's that's a very common scenario for most people. I honestly just had such a fun time um, by uh, the first year that I led trips. And I don't think I knew necessarily that it was super uncommon to become a trip leader. I know that I applied for crew as well, but I just honestly had a very, very fun three days when I led trips. And I think it's a fun way to meet the new class. You know, I think that there's things about Dartmouth that like if you ask any upperclassmen that they would want to change and there's ways that we'd like to see the culture change and i think in being a trip leader you can be like kind of a very small part of that and try to you know talk to them about the values that you know you'd like to see in dartmouth and have them form their own opinions obviously but i think it's a really nice way of you know making your small impact on the dartmouth community what's your favorite trips memory it can be from this year last year I think my favorite trips memories have just been like there's been one thing in common and it's just where we're all just laughing like uncontrollably like on my trip this year me and my co-leader were struggling so hard to tie up the bear bag it took so much effort and we just everything seemed to go wrong and we'd learned how to do it in training so it's not like we didn't know how it was just like hard and embarrassing and our trippies were laughing at us 
And we eventually were able to do it. And then we realized that the stuff we needed for dinner that night was up in the bear batch. So we do it over again. But just like those little moments where, you know, things aren't really going as planned, but you find something to laugh at anyway. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for your time and to hear about your trust experience. I'm so glad that you decided to contribute to the Dartmouth community in that way. Yeah, of course. Now, for the side of trips that comes out when things aren't going exactly to plan, the Vox crew. While there are a handful of crew staff to help support trips, Hanover crew, Lodge crew, and Grant crew, to name a few, Vox can be deployed at any time to assist with snags that happen along the way. To hear more about the fires that can happen and the people behind putting them out, I spoke to the two Vox captains, Piper Stacy and Sarah Hutchinson. I'd love for you guys to tell me a little about your own uh, trips experiences. I am a 22, so I went on my freshman trip in 2018 and I did climb and hike. I met one of my best friends my very first hour on campus. She's still one of my best friends. And I've loved hiking for a long time, so I enjoyed that part of it a lot and enjoyed trying climbing, which was pretty new to me. I chose to come to Dartmouth in part because of the connection with the outdoors. Yeah, I went to the Grant. We did canoeing down from Maine into New Hampshire. Um, Longest canoe trip I've ever done. It was phenomenal. Like the stars, the river, the trees along the side. I like had never seen anything really like that coming from the West Coast. Um, Yeah, I really liked all my trippies and my trip leaders. didn't stay in super close contact with anybody, but it definitely sparked my love of this area. Loving that original trip is a huge reason I wanted to be on Vox last year and then be on Vox this year. Trippy, 2018, trip leader, 2019. We were both safety leads last year and then captains this year. Did you experience a contrast between being a trip leader and then entering more of a managerial role? Yeah, we didn't end up seeing 26s a lot this year. Um, so that was a major difference, I think, but I, I really enjoy being able to create that community for a group. So I think that was something that I really enjoyed coming back to, um, but also, yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed meeting freshmen and having that connection throughout the year. And now they're seniors, which is cool to see them doing their thing. I love organization and planning and <laughs> keeping track of things and responding to people's needs and helping them have a more positive experience. So, From Vox perspective, we see trippies at either their worst or their best mm-hmm. um, because we're either responding to a medical incident or we're surprising them with some fun. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic there versus seeing them kind of grow across the whole trip as a trip leader. So you touched on some of the responsibilities of Vox there, the the FUD and the um, responding to medical emergencies, but you guys are also here on either side of trips. Yeah, um, we started, we found out we were on Vox as Vox captains in late February. Late February. And from that point on, it was uh, a progression of planning, (laughs) um, making sure that we had trainings in place, making sure that we picked people that we were confident could do a good job on Vox um, as our crewlings and making sure that we ourselves were ready to take on the the hectic, chaotic nature of trips from the Vox perspective. Um, we learned a lot from last year, I think. And 
Absolutely. Especially on how to take care of ourselves and how to take care of our crewlings and make sure that we were all as happy and healthy as possible. That involves like during the summer planning meals and then planning our schedules for the day and working on dividing people into groups and that kind of thing. Did have the largest fox crew ever? I think we did. I think the largest fox crew ever this year. Um, so we were able to facilitate more groups than usual. Like as trips have evolved location-wise, our job has evolved a little bit. Yeah. In that regard. So you guys mentioned the stress a little bit. Trips being student-run, you know, the buck kind of stops at you guys for these emergency situations. Um, what were some of the ways you went about preserving the mental health of your crewling? To kind of deal with stress and stuff like that. I think that most of it was honestly coming to Piper and I. Like, we were the ones who were making a lot of big decisions. Yeah, we did have the final say in yeah. every situation. And we would take all the information in from a call, basically make a decision, and then um, give the safety lead who is responding that information pretty much our recommendation and then have them update as they were on site and making decisions um, in real time. So, and of course, trusting them to do that, they were all excellent. They were responsible for things once we gave it to them. It was Piper and I for the most part, although we did have some safety leads helping us triage calls sometimes, um, answering the phone and stuff like that. I think something that we emphasized so much throughout like before trips and throughout trips was that we really, really wanted people to be self-advocating for their needs. And if they needed to sleep, if they needed food, if they wanted different food, um, if they needed a break. And so I think that was the biggest thing that we did. Um, and we checked in with everybody almost every day yeah, to see what's going on and what we could do to make people's experiences better. The tough thing about that is like we would get calls in the middle of dinner. So you would take two bites of dinner and get a call and then you'd be gone for the next five hours into the night evacuating a patient from who knows where. Right. Um, or, you know, you would get a call in the very middle of the night and have to evacuate somebody from far away and leave the safety leads with not as much sleep as they needed in order to be like their best selves the next day. So we had, I think, seven safety leads. Six or seven. six or seven safety leads total. Um, but yeah, one of the things we really wanted to emphasize was when they didn't get enough sleep, when they didn't get enough food, that they made note of that for themselves and then helped, you know, self-advocate mm-hmm. so that we could help them fix those problems. Yeah. Um, we were keeping track of that a little way. Like if somebody went out on a late call, we would make sure they got to sleep in. And then when, yeah. even if they were so excited, we would make sure that they got a lot of sleep the next night. They were so excited. They were so excited. They always wanted to help. <laughs> We love them. It's great. Well, because there's only so much you can plan, right? As much as you plan, like, yeah. a lot of your job is spontaneous. Yeah. Even sending those groups out into the different areas, we would get calls that were like, oh, my God, we have two calls in one area. We need to pull a group from, mm-hmm. you know, the Skiway region back to the Hanover region in order to do an evacuation there. Because another evacuation was happening at the same time. Yeah. Or if there was, like, no cell service, it would be, who could you get if, yeah. if the group that was closest to them didn't have cell service? They were able to just... Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> it's a big problem-solving game. Right. Well, so then the second part of my question, since it is such a big problem-solving game, you did you feel like as students you were fully equipped to handle that with all your training and everything, that it can continue to be a student-run situation in the future? Yeah, I think so. I think... Naturally, we were nervous going in. It's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, us in particular being responsible for the safety of 
a thousand plus people right is big <laughs> um but we i think we surprised ourselves in a good way with how much we could deal with things i think too we often talk to an, each other or another safety lead when we we're making decisions just to make sure that we had a couple brains going on it especially if we were tired but yeah, especially for tricky situations, we were able to call the directors and and ask, you know, what what needs to happen here from the perspective of trips. Um, but from a student perspective, like it is by far the most rewarding thing I've done with my life. Um, and I, yeah, was so incredibly grateful to be given the opportunity to be in that role, making those critical decisions for trippies to be as happy and healthy as they could be in the field. Um, I wouldn't want it to be a non-student position because I think to take that opportunity away from other students would be tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, speaking for myself, I've been through like an 80 hour um, safety training and Piper's done even more than that. And mm-hmm. a lot of our, <laughs> a lot of our safety leads were, yeah, had at least 80 hours or more. And clinical experience too. Yeah, true. So we had a lot of, a lot of good safety minds. And in some cases, even not this year, but in past years, Vox has called ambulances out to places um, mm-hmm. that, you know, where's where a trip is going to outlet to. And Vox just helps walk people to the ambulance. Without um, making any HIPAA violations, could you guys give some specifics about some rewarding um, fires that you put out? One of the most rewarding parts was we did a couple of evacuations um, where it was clear that the trippy was not entirely happy with the trip mm-hmm. um and it's like potentially too strenuous tough weather that kind of thing right um understandable mm-hmm. and we heard back from our safety leads who were doing those evacuations that the trippies once they got in the car had glowing reviews of trips in general even though it was too strenuous and even though they wanted to leave in that moment mm-hmm. they still enjoyed the trip before that yeah, I think that that's like a powerful statement about trips itself because people still did have a good time. And there were like one of our directors, Brandon, um, um, he said right before trips started, he said that if one trippy smiles on all of trips, if we can make one trippy happy, then trips as a program has succeeded. And I can tell you that I, every single trippy I saw smiled for sure. What makes trips worth the investment for you guys? Because you had to put in so many hours of work. You, the unique position to see a lot of different dynamics within trips that sort of good, bad, and ugly, and heavily on the bad and ugly. <laughs> uh, being on that side of things and having to put in all those hours, that investment just always felt worth it to you. Yeah, there wasn't a single moment that it wasn't worth it. Vox was based out of Camp Musalak, which is a summer camp that... Voxel. The, the Voxel. <laughs> that... Uh, So we kind of live out of the rec hall and the dining area. Um, But we had probably a maximum of seven trips. They were also staying. Yeah, 70 people. They were also staying at Camp Musalak in the different summer camp cabins. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we got to see a little bit of like the microcosm approach of like how trippies were interacting with other trippies, how trippies were interacting with trip leaders and how happy they were just like running around the camp. Um, dipping their feet into the lake, mm-hmm. playing basketball on the little basketball courts. Like it was clear that they were bonding um, and were having a great time. Yeah. It was nice to see that. And then in juxtaposition with 
picking up the phone call and having a problem be on the other end. But he did look out the window. <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah, just, <laughs> window. Like, okay, we're doing this for a reason. So the phones really ring that much. It's like a twenty four seven situation. They ring. Yeah. they ring while you're on the phone with somebody else. Uh, they do. Yeah, we. It, it usually starts at like. It started. Yeah, it started around like seven thirty eight, thirty eight, and then it, and then it was chaos until like nine p.m. Yeah, probably nine or ten. Uh, and then we get the rogue one or two calls in the middle of the night, probably. But also to go back to like why we do this, yeah. even though it's really stressful, I could I could sit there and know that even as I was literally wearing my pajamas at 2 p.m. because I was just kept answering the phone or something like that, that I was, I, I love Dartmouth and it's taken me a long time to get there. It means a ton to be able to do that kind of important work for a place that is the world to me. What sort of things are you looking for in your crewlings? Something that I think all crews look for is wanting to have a selection of people where trippies can look at them and say i see myself in you really important for like the front facing crews that see everybody but also really important for us especially when we have smaller groups going out to have a whole bunch of different kinds of people yeah um, to really paint that picture and i genuinely believe it can shape people's experience having the right group of people on vox on other crews that interact with trippies like i remember my freshman my first year trip i was in the grant and the Grant crew came and said hello, and I saw myself in one of those Grant crewlings, and now am part of similar clubs that she was a part of, mm. um, that I would not have known really existed other than that. Right. Yeah. No, I know from my experience, this is a trippy, I soaked up everything. I was such a sponge when I first came here, um, that, you know, the both of my trip leaders worked for the D, and that's why, it's a large reason why I'm here now, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that's great to hear. One other thing that I should say, I think that we both we both want to say is how incredibly proud we are of our crew. Yeah, um, and how I, we could never say this enough. Uh, how rewarding of an experience it was to watch them grow from really not knowing each other um, to be not and not knowing what we were doing. Not really knowing what we were doing. Thank like, you. Kind of growing as a family, as a big fox, mm-hmm. big fox family. Um, yeah, and then we've seen those connections thrive as well outside of Vox on the other end, mm-hmm. and supporting people through Rush and supporting people just like in general. Anywhere. Yeah, big hugs everywhere, all over campus. Yeah, something that we talk about when we come out of Vox is as captains, it's like, oh, we can do anything. Like, if we can do that, we can do anything. Mm-hmm. And we can do that piece of it. And I think that's something that we saw in them too, which is really cool. Yeah. They, tackled tackled whatever came their way if the fact that trips are student run wasn't impressive enough consider that they've been student run since 1935 with zero deaths i spoke to current dartmouth provost david Cotts, who was in the class of 86 and became trips director in his senior year overseeing their 50th year of operation today he stands as a strong administrative ally for first year trips and the dartmouth outing club in general so if you can remember back to your first year, and I think they were called freshman trips back in the day because um, transfer students weren't so incorporated, what were some highlights of your trip and uh, what made you kind of want to return to the DOC and trips as a program back when you were a student? Wow, yeah. So I arrived on campus in fall of 1982, mm-hmm. um, 40 years ago last month, was assigned to a, a freshman trip that was all named Dave. 
turns out. No way. So my name is Dave. And uh-huh. um, I went into mid-mass where we were, I was told to, that's where I was going to be staying the first night. Each trip had its own room. Mm-hmm. And I, as I came in, there was one or two other fellows there and I introduced myself and they introduced themselves. We thought it was kind of funny. There were two or three days and then there was a fourth day and a fifth day. Um, so it ended up being five days and then our leader came in. Uh, his name was Ed. Okay. Uh, we renamed him Dave. Okay, sure. Just, why not? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's a great, there's a big story behind this trip, I can, you know, because it was a very unusual trip. So the next morning, um, Ed left um, to go home for the night, but then came back in the morning and he was dressed in a full suit, a full black suit, white shirt, dress shoes, you know, um, formal suit, black hat, kind of looked Amish in a way. Not very outdoorsy attire. Not at all outdoorsy. And he didn't have a pack with him. He had a a child's metal lunchbox, you know, Scooby-Doo or something Mm -hmm. like that. And inside there was a water bottle, a toothbrush, and a flashlight. And that was his entire kit for the hike. Okay. And so we thought, okay, this is a little bizarre. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got our stuff on the on the lawn of Lobo, uh, Robo, our food and our, you know, camping equipment and so forth. And, of course, the five of us had to carry all of that because he only well, had a lunchbox. And so he gets on the bus with us and we drive north to um, to the White Mountains. And we started and ended at what is now the Wilderness Trail, the Lincoln Woods area in the Pemigewasset Wilderness. And we started hiking down the trail, and he's still wearing his black suit and his dress shoes. And about 100 yards down the trail, though, he jumps behind a boulder and changes and comes back out in his hiking gear and with his backpack and so forth. Mm -hmm. So then we hiked for the rest, you know, for another two nights. It was a fantastic trip. We spent most of the time swimming because there's some awesome swimming holes on that route. Up over the Bonds, Bond Cliff, and Gio South Twin down to 13 Falls and back out, for those who know the area. Mm-hmm. And so on the way out, on the third day, he jumps behind the same boulder, reverses it, mm-hmm. and then walks out onto the bus with the bus driver looking rather quizzical at this man in a suit. Perfectly clean and um, beautiful. Then we went to the lodge and, you know, Salty Dog Rag and mm-hmm. uh, the whole Lodge crew show, and we hiked the mountain. So it was a fantastic introduction to Dark. I was hooked. So at that time, was that um, sort of the one standardized trip, the hiking and the swimming? Um, well, we I think we offered hiking, biking, fishing, and canoeing. I think maybe just the four types at that time. You enjoyed your trip enough that you wanted to return to the DOC and trips the following year. Did you volunteer? The next year then, um, what was your progression to eventually being the trip's director? Yeah, well, Ed um, McEd, as he was known, uh, told us a lot about the DOC when we were on our trip. He was an 80, is an 80, and so he was an alum at the time. Certainly now it wouldn't happen, but uh, alums and faculty and staff uh, sometimes led trips. Anyway, he was he had been very active in the DOC, and so he told us a lot about that. So I was very active in the DOC CNT in particular. Were trips also divided by gender then, if you were all... No, we were... It, it was odd that we were all male, because we're all Dave, I think that's why. That you think you really think they did that on purpose? That, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a... Next year, there was a Bob and Sue trip. It was just all the people were named Bob or, or Sue. Um, no, we, we strove for um, roughly balanced gender diversity in yeah. each trip. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't always possible, and also at that time, the class, the first-year class, was not um, evenly gender-balanced, because mm-hmm. this was 82, only 10 years after co-education. We were still, I think, approaching 50-50, but not quite there. So I was a 
you know, hardcore chubber my freshman year. And so I certainly applied to be a leader my sophomore year. So I led a trip in my sophomore year. And then I was Hanover crew chief my junior year. Mm -hmm. And then I was um, freshman trips director my senior year. Having been um, director your senior year, how does that compare to sort of the administrative oversight you have now on trips? How do you uh, work to continue fostering that student-run aspect of trips? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So interesting, you know, freshman trips director, now I guess first-year trips director, that was my first administrative job at the college. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting to think back that um, I actually don't have very much uh, oversight or responsibility with respect to trips today. The okay. provost, that is, does not and arguably should not. It is a student-run program. It was very important to us back then and very important, I think, to the DOC today. And actually, I think a very big part of what it is and why it's so successful. Mm -hmm. um, I did get involved last fall because we were this would be fall of 21, I guess, when we were so concerned about COVID and how we would manage the whole arrival of the first year class and the testing and if necessary, isolation and so forth. Sure. So I met with um, the trips director and some of the key staff, DOC, LPO staff that work on trips. And we talked about it. We just said, how are we gonna handle this situation? And we had a conversation. It wasn't that I said, you have to do this or you have to do that. And actually, to their tremendous credit, um, they went off and completely re-engineered trips, literally overnight. It came out, I think, um, phenomenally well, despite having to do all that at the last minute. No, right. Th those were the trips that I went on. And oh, I, say I got um, the vast majority of the experience, despite having to go back to the dorms every night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, un it was unfortunate in a way, but... Yeah. It allowed trips to continue to largely have that experience um, in a way that would not have been safe to do more traditionally that year. So I'm really glad they were able to come back to something a little more traditional this year. Uh, on that note of safety, uh, how have you seen trips evolve sort of over the years? Do you think that they're safer now than they once were? Oh, uh, you know, it's an interesting. I don't know enough detail about how they manage safety on trips, but I do know that there's certainly an increased amount of attention on safety, and there are new tools that we have available to make um, some aspects safer. So, for example, you know, communication is a lot easier now than it would have been or was in the 80s. Uh, you know, at, this, at that point, you would drop off a trip. And you'd hope you'd find them three days later because there were no cell phones that didn't exist and um, certainly no satellite phones or anything like that. But there's always been a tremendous effort put into training the, the leaders and training and, and organizing a safety team to do rescues if necessary. Having shifted your perspective from being a student and a trips leader to then a parent, right, whose children have gone through Dartmouth trips and now administrator have just how has your perspective on trips changed i guess yeah that's a great good question actually i would insert into there the the transition to becoming a faculty member mm. and trips leaders first five or six years i was on the faculty i continued to lead trips i remember as trips director assigning one of my professors to be a trip leader i thought that was an interesting flip he taught me a couple of computer science classes and then here he was an applicant to lead freshman trips, and I was able to assign him to a trip. 
Um, and so when I came back and joined the faculty, I was eager to do the same. That practice ended, I don't know, probably at this point, close to 20 years ago, mm -hmm. where they had so many students interested in leading trips that they chose, I think rightly so, to focus on um, allocating trip leader spots to students and mm -hmm. not no longer allow alums, faculty, and staff to lead trips. Um, but your question was about the value of the TRIPS program and how have I seen or has my perception changed? And I would say at its core, no. The, to me, the fundamental spirit of the program is the same. I think the value of the program to the incoming students is the same. And by that, I mean you can almost observe that effect on the students. If you stand in front of Robo and you watch the students coming into town and first arriving, getting off the bus or, or what have you, they're nervous. They're a little uncertain about where am I and what am I supposed to do and where am I supposed to go and am I going to like this place and how am I going to fit in? And then later in that afternoon, you can watch the trips getting off the bus from Musalak and they're sort of relaxed and they're happier and they're connected and they feel connected with each other. Right and with the college and with the broader set of students. And it's just this amazing transformation that I think allows them to feel home. And um, to me, that is the most, ultimately the most amazing factor that make trips so successful. But every year there are one or two students that don't love trips. Do you still feel that trips are a universally beneficial experience and that you'd recommend every incoming student go on trip? It's hard to predict in advance whether you're going to find an experience to be great or not. And I would say that the TRIPS program, the leaders, all the leaders involved, the individual TRIP leaders and the directors are unbelievably committed to making the program awesome for everybody. And do they succeed for everybody? No. But they are totally committed to doing that. I hope it works out better every year for every student. In an ideal world, what would you uh, hope that each student takes away from their trip? Three things, I guess. Mm -hmm. One is I hope that they have a better sense of place, meaning what is what is New Hampshire and the, the wilderness of New Hampshire and having a sense of and a perspective about nature and our beautiful state um, so that they recognize, okay, yes, I'm at Dartmouth, but it's part of this broader uh, community and this broader um, ecosystem that is New Hampshire and Vermont and New England. Um, the second is to have a sense of confidence that they are comfortable and that they can be happy here, um, and that they have connections to other students at least um, that helps them to begin their time at Dartmouth. You know, with um, a sense of being at home. Third uh, is that. I guess I hope that they are, especially for those who haven't had a lot of experiences like that in the past, that they can say, you know, I tried something new. This is a little outside of my comfort zone. It was uncomfortable sometimes, either physically or socially or what have you. And I made it through. And actually, I learned something along the way. And I feel a little bit more comfortable trying new things. My name is Heath Monsa, and this has been The Debrief. Keep an eye out for the final episode of The Debriefed and a Last Chances Roundtable before the spring term ends. There are a few people we want to thank in the making of this podcast. Thank you to Jack Chrysler, Julia Picker, Sarah Hutchinson, Piper Stacy, Provost Kotz, and Nick Hughes for amazing interviews. This was our producers, Abby Hughes, Jack Coleman, Eliana Stanford, Claire Betzer, Quinn Hall, Ryan Penny, and last but not least, our executive editor and editor-in-chief of the D, Kristen Chapman. Thank you.